Okay, right, we're going to get into the word for today. Um, I want to speak a little bit, you know, about the experience of a new life and just what grace is. Just a simple um, grace message. Okay, we're going to read from 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 to 9. I'm going to explain a little bit what it means to add to your faith. Peter clearly states, he says, add to your faith, you know, um, temperance and loving kindness and all those kind of things. And as grace people, we don't believe in, we believe grace is everything. You know, it's not like we want to add to our faith by human willpower, you know, because the, um, the greatest thing, I, I, I put a thing on, on, the, uh, on the web where I said that, number one, the one thing I said is, everybody, now I want you to listen to this, everybody, all the time, make all their decisions based on emotions. And all emotions are all the time created by what you believe. Okay. So everybody, all the time, like you can say, no, no, but I'm a left brain. I decide, you know, I make a mathematical decision about things. So in other words, you felt to make a mathematical decision. Yeah. So you had an emotion. That emotion told you, I'm going to make a decision based on facts. You felt it. You came here for you felt to come. You, somebody said, no, no, I felt to listen to the rugby or watch the rugby. No, no, no. You felt to listen or, or watch the rugby, but you felt more to come here. And that's all about what you believe. You believe that it's important to, 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 to watch the rugby and that's, that's enjoyment, but you also believed that this is important for knowing and understanding the gospel. And that belief created an emotion. That, that emotion is what works in your will, and that's how you make decisions. And then I said it this way, make sure you believe that you are innocent, you believe that you are holy, you believe that you are accepted before God, you believe that you are the righteousness of God, you believe that as He is, so are you. If you can believe that, that will, that, that will form the emotion, and that will guide your decision, and that will bring the manifestation in this life. Amen. So believing the right thing. For from the heart flows the issues or the force that drives your life. From what you believe about yourself and what you believe God has done for you, your life flows. Okay. Right. Uh, 2 Peter 1. It, 2 Peter 1 verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Now, that sounds like very big words. Whenever you read the Bible, read it like a contract. You know, that you're going to sign when you buy a house or anything like that. You, read, you want to read and understand what's written there. It's, Peter comes here, he says, uh, Simon Peter, servant and apostle of, of Christ, uh, to them that have obtained like precious faith. That word obtain in the Greek means to receive by divine lot. So God's divine lot has fallen onto us and we have obtained like precious faith as what Peter and the apostles said. So your faith is not smaller. Your faith is not different than what they received. We've received like precious faith through the divine lot of God, through what God has done. Listen to this. 
we've received this precious faith uh, with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So look how faith has come. Through the knowledge, now we'll explain how I say knowledge, through the knowledge of what Jesus has done. Through His righteousness, we've obtained something that we can be persuaded of. Okay, His righteousness. Grace and peace be multiplied. Okay, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, the rest of that chapter basically speaks of grace and peace be multiplied. We want a multiplication or an increase of grace in our lives and an increase of peace. And you can say, but Bertie, grace cannot increase. Let me just explain to you what uh, the, the, the definition for grace is. <clears throat> um, grace. Grace is the merciful kindness by which God, exerting His holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ, keeps them, strengthens them, increases them in Christ's faith, knowledge and actions, and kindles them to exercise Christian virtues. Another definition, it's the divine influence upon your heart and its reflection in the life, including gratitude. So grace, listen to what grace is. And I see so many people when they talk about grace, they're talking about unmerited favor or something like that. That's not what grace is. Grace is that which Jesus has done which influences your heart. And when what Jesus has done influences your heart, then He, through the influence of your heart, will even manifest His life in you. That's grace. Grace is not, well, I can go and sin. Grace is not, oh, well, I can live in defeat and I can live in bondage and God's not angry with me. That's not grace. If you think that's grace, you've got a wrong definition of grace. The word grace should never have been translated the word grace. Grace has got no meaning to us. The, the correct translation for the word grace is the word influence. Okay? So he says, I want God's influence and the emotion of you not being indebted to increase in your heart through the knowledge of God. That word knowledge is Greek with acknowledgement. Through the acknowledgement of what God has done. So if you lack to acknowledge what God has done, that, that acknowledgement means uh, to, to, to say, it is so. I acknowledge this is the truth. So when you can acknowledge that God became a human being, and then we became dignified. The dignity and the worth of God came into a human being. When we can acknowledge that from the depth of our being, saying, truly, I am holy with the holiness of God, by that acknowledgement we find a greater influence in our belief, we find a greater influence into our emotions. We find a greater influence in our, into our will. And then see Him manifesting who He is in us. That's the Christian life. That is the grace of God. The emotion of not being indebted comes through acknowledging what He's done. Now, we can have that as a theory, but when it comes to practical life, we want to acknowledge that in this life. You know, when people agree with you, it's wonderful. When people disagree with you, it's not that nice. 
Okay? That's just the way it is. But when you come in acknowledgement of what God says, acknowledgement, for instance, in the case of a child that passes away or something like that, you acknowledge that this cannot separate me from the love of God, for I acknowledge that God's love defines me in the fact that God became a human being. That human being was raised from the dead and forever lives with God, and that is who I am. Nothing else can define me. I mean, when we... That, that acknowledgement brings the increase of the effect of what Christ has done in your life. That's why it's impossible to be saved without faith. Because faith is that you are persuaded and you acknowledge. A lack of acknowledgement, getting to finances for instance, to say, um, I refuse to acknowledge that I can be blessed without tithing. I cannot acknowledge that he became poor so that I through his poverty might be made rich. I cannot acknowledge that. I acknowledge that I need to work principles for God to bless me. Your lack of acknowledgement in that area... Now, let me, let me just explain acknowledgement. Acknowledgement is not something you do by willpower. Acknowledgement is a fruit of having correct information. You know, when you hear the right thing, and you hear all the aspects of it, you can say, I acknowledge this is the truth. And on what basis do you acknowledge it? There's just a resonance in your heart. This is the truth. I acknowledge this is so. So I acknowledge that I can be financially blessed outside of my contribution. I acknowledge that God can manifest who God is in me free from the helping hand of the law. I acknowledge, not acknowledge with mere lip service, an acknowledgement because of a revelation of what is done from the depth of your heart. Amen. You know what's the wonderful thing about grace and mercy? Especially the mercy of God and the love of God. We don't have to be fake. If you cannot acknowledge it, you say, God, I can't acknowledge this. I don't have enough knowledge about this. So I can't acknowledge because I need knowledge about this. Help me, Lord, that I can know more, that I can come to the acknowledgement that I can be holy, free from my willpower. I can't acknowledge that, Lord, to me, I'm honest, I'm seeing this. And we know He's not going to condemn us when we talk like that. Because we've got a relationship with God. We don't have a God that sits there with a, with, with a correct speech meter. And if you just say one thing wrong, then he says, Oh, you confessed wrong, then you better say the right thing. You better, you know. And it's like with me, when I see people talk law, I can't condemn them for talking law. That's what's in his heart. You know, I just give him the grace message. Give him the grace message. Because what the heart is full of flows out of the mouth. And I cannot modify his mouth. That's wrong. That will just make him a hypocrite. Rather know, rather tell people, listen, what you believe, speak. So you can know, the whole thing is, 
if you've got that unbelief, you know, and that is what in, is in you, listen to what Jesus said. He says, how can you, how can you that are evil say good things? Don't you know you'll give account for every idle word? Then he explains what an idle word is. An idle word is not a wrong word. An idle word is a word that's not in line with what you believe. Meaning, if you don't believe the right thing, but you just confess all the right things, you'll give account for your idle words. That's an idle word. Idle word is not what said, Ach, piep There's no idle word. Because that might be what you believe. An idle word defined by Jesus was a word spoke in emptiness. That's what idle means. Empty. Or vanity. Empty. In other words, there was not a belief to, 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 to be the foundation of what you said. The Pharisees believed in the law, but they were speaking good things. He says, how can you that are evil speak good things? You'll give an account for this word that you spoke outside of your belief. And we want to get people to speak right. No, no, no. The gospel is not about speaking right. The gospel is about believing the truth. That's what the gospel is about. It's about modifying people's belief by bringing the truth. And here he says, I want, Paul comes clear, Peter comes, he says, listen, I see you are under the influence of what God has done. You've received what he's done. Okay, you believe that he died, you believe that he rose again, whatever. But I still see you don't know what that implies. You still don't come to the acknowledgement of what that means. And if you read the whole of 1 Peter, you see he writes to a lot to the Jews because he talks about Gentiles. You gent, he says, not like the Gentiles. So obviously he's directed a lot towards Jews in his writing. Maybe Jews that lived in Gentile areas, but directed towards Jews. And what he was, so he comes and these Jews cannot acknowledge. Now listen to this. This is true acknowledgement. If I can come and I can say grace increases, the influence of God increases because I can acknowledge what it means when Jesus became a human being and represented the whole world. I acknowledge that there's no more Jew or Gentile. Okay, let me say that slower. If you, an increase in grace, a multiplication of grace would be acknowledging the effect of what you are persuaded of. In other words, if God became a human being and represents mankind and everybody is in Him, then a Jew is not higher than a Gentile. And when you can acknowledge that, You'll find the influence of the Holy Spirit in your heart and you will love Gentiles. Okay. You'll see the fruit of God in your life because you can acknowledge what He's done. Back to money again. When you can acknowledge that He was rich and He became poor and He, st and he stood up into what it is, it means that what does that mean? It means that I am not under the law anymore. The law has passed away forever. Okay? It exists today as a way people use unto God, but it is not the way. People use a way, not the way. So when I look at, 
at what He's done for me, how much He loved me there, how He fulfilled the law, that means I don't have to sacrifice animals. So grace is now increasing. The influence comes to more areas of my life because I can, can make, I can draw a conclusion to what Christ has done. And that is what the church has struggled to do. We have struggled to come to the conclusion of what it means that God became a human being and obeyed on your behalf. We could not make a conclusion. We can come and say, this concludes the following. It's like to, my, to one of my Facebook friends, I wrote to him, I said to him, listen, if you don't agree with me after these 80 comments, I conclude that you are stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> So, so we've got, after taking everything into consideration, we come to a conclusion. That is acknowledgement. That acknowledgement brings the manifestation of God's influence in our lives. So, all we do, and this is what grace is. Grace is, and I like, uh, uh, Thai's definition is a bit more complicated, but it's also very beautiful. It says, grace is the kindness with which God... In, puts His holy influence on us. It is the power of God which influences us to turn to Christ. It's the power of God that keeps us. Grace is that which strengthens us. And grace is that which increases them in Christ's faith, which increases our knowledge. Grace is... Uh, um, the affection of God that increases in our life. Grace is what kindles us to exercise Christian virtues. So now, if that is what grace is, it means that is not what I'm going to try and do. Because God wants grace, His holy influence, to multiply, which will bring forth a change of character and a change of life in our lives as a result of His holy influence through His, and this is what it says here, through His merciful kindness. So God's merciful kindness is what influences us. Remember what kindness is? Kindness is a character of a person that delights in contributing to the happiness of others by granting their wishes, supplying their wants, and lifting their distresses. As the word kindness. So the kindness, the, the desire, the burning of God to lift our distress. What was our lift our burden? What was lifting of our distress? It was lifting the law by which we, would, we were condemned. And the greatest thing of the law was it manifested death in us. It was not just, a, well, I feel condemned today. No, the flesh used the law to manifest sin in your life, to get you to that you and your, 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 your wife or your husband fight all the time. That you can't love your kids. That you always feel lazy. That you can never have joy. Amen. Okay, right. <clears throat> um, grace and peace be multiplied to you. It means, this is, this is what is called the adding of the faith mentioned later, which we'll get to. Verse 3. According as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the acknowledgement of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. So His divine power has given us everything unto life and godliness through our acknowledgement of it. 
through our acknowledgement of it. So if there's anything that you want, if, there's, if you want a certain area of your life to change, where you say, I don't see that I can live like this. I can't live with fear all the time. I can't live with this anxiety about my kids all the time. What will you ask God? You'll ask Him, God, show me what I need to acknowledge. Show me the effect of Christ in this area of my life. What I can conclude under what you've done for me. And when I, we just, and that's all you do. And then you rest. Somebody wrote me an email, said to me, Bafti, this certain person's got this problem in their life. How are we going to get him free? I said to him, um, 90% of all people's got that problem. I said, the only thing you can do is just preach the gospel. He writes back, he says, are you sure it's going to work? I said, <laughs> I said, just preach the gospel of God's love and don't put any focus on it. That's what I said. He says, are you sure it's going to work? I said, well, if it doesn't work, what else works? Well, because nothing else is going to work because the guy's already tried everything else. So, and, and, and I see the same thing in my life. When I, this, everyone in your life, there's somewhere where you feel, I wish I can change here. I wish this can change. The more attention you give there, the more you fall into it. The best thing is stop to worry about it. Casting that care unto Jesus. Because, you know, listen, if I just say stop to worry about it, you can just feel that legalism. So say, yeah, this done all right. No, no, no. I say, this not all right. Um, the other, well, I don't worry me because it's going to kill you. That's not all right. The quickest way out is not to put any focus on that and completely focus on what Christ has done and you will find that thing will leave you. You will not leave it. It will leave you. Through the acknowledgement of His unconditional love for me. Amen. So, when it's, it's so important to, 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 me, to meditate, think of, that, I mean, when God comes and he, you hear that message of love, it rises in your heart how you loved and cared for. Live in that, live in that, in, in that atmosphere. Amen. You'll find that brings forth a change of life. You'll find more, you can acknowledge more things. Thank you, Jesus. Um, the word acknowledge means to recognize something. To have full discernment. To recognize. I recognize uh, this is so. Okay, right. We've been called to, um, according to His divine power, has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the acknowledgement of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. Now God has called us to glory. That's the word doxa. I want to just read the meaning of the word doxa here. It's an opinion or a judgment or a view. Okay? It's an opinion, an estimate, whether good or bad concerning someone. So the glory of someone is the opinion that somebody have of somebody else, be it good or bad. Now listen to what Thayer writes here. It says, in the New Testament, always a good opinion concerning one, resulting in praise, honor, and glory. Okay, so glory in the New Testament is always a good opinion of someone. And he says, by His divine power which is His grace and what is done in the resurrection, He has called us to always having a good opinion of us. 
Glory and virtue. Virtue talks about the qualities of something. He has called us unto having the very qualities of God in us, and He's called us unto always having a good opinion of ourselves. He's called us to glory. Let me read you the, the, if you don't believe me, go and check it out. It's exactly written like that. In the New Testament, always a good opinion concerning one, resulting in praise and honor. In the New Testament, always a good opinion of one. He's called you to a place where you can always have a good opinion about you. Paul came to this wonderful conclusion. He says, I look at what Christ has done, I look in my life, and I come to this conclusion, if there is sin in my life, it is not I who sin, but sin in me. Romans 7. You cannot preach that at a leaders' conference. It doesn't matter if it's in the Bible. It doesn't matter if Paul said it. It's not needed now. That's it. You know? (laughs) You can't do that. But that is what Paul said. And if we can come to that realization and that acknowledgement that we are not the sinner, but we are victims of sin. Sin uses the law to make us slaves. The moment we can get rid of the law, we will not be slaves of sin anymore, but we will ha- we've been called unto virtue, which is the attributes of God manifesting in us, not by our effort, but by the doing of God. Give me a good, good example of glory. Uh, on, the, on that rap song, this is what the guy said there. He says, Paul, God, through Paul, wrote a letter to the Corinthians. And God called one of the worst churches in the New Testament saints. By starting off, onto the saints. And he write to the saints, why are you sleeping with this one and why are you fornicating with that one? Because glory in the New Testament is always a good opinion of someone. Hallelujah. The, if God would tell you, you are bad, my brother, you will be bad. Because God said it. So the, God knows the only thing that can bring forth meta, uh, metamorphosis, uh, 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 to be changed from the inside out in a person, is a change of belief. That's why God will say to, I mean, the worse the person's sin is, the greater you must say, you are holy. Because that, those words will speak to his innermost being. Amen. Last night we visited with friends. Um, there's one guy I preached on a farm, and he came there. Just a farmer in the area, Englishman. And um, so he came there. He, says, he, he knows me. I preached at a farm there, and he says, and then he said, "Man, and I like the message." I know he couldn't remember what it was. It was a year ago. You know, I, I tried to think of what I preached. I remembered a little bit about the Lamb of God took away the sin of the world. I mean, they're asking me to open on a Buddha dach. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm preaching about the Lamb of God who made everybody innocent. Glory to God. You know? So I preached there. He was very blessed. He says, it was so refreshing. He says, he felt so... And they say, I said, yes, man. We, we, and I mean, when he said that, he opened the door. <laughs> so I preached again. You know? And um, we were talking about God all the time. And at the end of the night, he came to me and says, this was such an awesome time. 
Thank you so much. Came to me separate there. I want to just tell you, I've enjoyed this so, so much. Because what I do is, kijk man, die ou sê die F-woord die heel tyd. But I continue to tell him he's innocent. Because when I say that, the, he, he knows what he feels. He feels I'm a bigger sinner. And he knows what he's doing and thinking. But this guy comes and he says, God says you're innocent. Now that speaks to his belief. Because nobody can be changed outside of the change of belief. So that's why God would call some of the worst sinners saints. Because they think, oh my goodness, what does God believe about me that he calls me a saint? And that forces your mind to get to other knowledge and then you can come to the acknowledgement of that truth and when you come to the acknowledgement of the truth you find Him manifesting His virtues in you. We've been called to glory. Amen. That's why it gives you a completely new definition to saying this is the glorious gospel. The gospel where we always talk good about people. Always. Okay, whereby given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, listen to this, by this great power, and this power that's called unto glory, are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these promises given, you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in this world through lust. Okay, listen to what he says. He says, listen guys, you, we, are, we as Christians, we have escaped the corruption that's in this world, by precious promises that He has given, and by these promises, we are partakers of the divine nature. So how are we partakers of God's nature? By the promises that they are in what Christ has done. Now I want to just explain that promises. If you study out that promises there, it means, it, it, it implies two things. One, it's a promise that was made in the Old Testament, which was now given. Okay, It was a promise. Remember, all the promises are yes and amen in Jesus. So we are partakers of the divine nature through all the promises that was now given. Another way of looking at it is also that what Christ has done is very promising to me. It promises me a new life. It promises me freedom from Sin using my body to live in. Sin is not something you do. Sin is a parasite that feeds on you. You're not the sinner, you are the victim of sin. Make sin a person that you can start to see what sin is. You are a person that stands here. Then sin comes and uses you and make you a slave. And then the bondage of that sin was broken by Christ. Because the chains used was the law. I had a guy from the SDA write me and say to me, Bertie, but you know, the law this, the law that and whatever. And I said to him, answer me just one question. Just one. And we can continue with the discussion. Just one. I've never had any SDA guy ever answer this question. Why does the Bible say the ministration of death was written on stones? The Ten Commandments. The ministration of death was written on stones. 
Paul came to a certain acknowledgement of what Christ has done. He's removed the, that which ministers death and destruction in my life. He's removed it from me. I, as much as what I was, a slave of sin, I am now enslaved unto righteousness. Okay? If you want the law to have an effect in your life, what do you do? You make use of the law. You believe in the law. You stand for what the law says. You work its principles. Amen? If you want to make use of, of Jesus, what do you do? You stand for what He says. You believe. You rest your mind in it. You make use of it. How do I make use of it? What He says, who He is, is who I am. Glory to God. One of the greatest challenges... For any preacher, and I, I, want, I don't want to just say preachers, but mostly preachers, and for any person is to preach or believe in a new message. No preacher should ever preach a new message. Never. There is only one message. It is God became a human being. The effect it has on us, He was raised from the dead as a human being, and the effect that that has, and then the hope that brings to us what hope does it bring it brings a hope in my life that I will see the manifestation of God's life in my life and I will see the manifestation of his provision in my life his peace in my life his long suffering in my life his kindness in my life him being the source of those emotions in my life not me trying to copy God that will kill you okay now <laughs> we're going to end off Okay, there's corruption in this world through lust. Uh, maybe next time I'll explain that. There's decay. Let me do it quickly. There's decay in this world through desire. Okay. So, desire talks about the law. Where you desire and you don't have. Okay. It's just a desire. In the grace message, it's not a desire. It's a message of you have already received. Under the law, it is a desire and there's a corruption or a decay under that. So when I am under the law, I desire to live holy. The things I want to do, I can't do. You know, last night when we visited with, with those people, it was, I came back, I was preparing the message, and I had this emotion in my heart. How wonderful. I mean, I believed, I believed, I believed grace for a long time. But I experience the emotion now of, I don't think of what's right and wrong in a conversation. I don't think, is it right to say this or not? What's the best way now? I must make sure, you know, I'm a pastor now. You know, I must now just make sure. No, no, no. The wonderful thing of living. Living and finding that life is flooded with the virtues of God. Man, that's nice. It's like this. Imagine living, never thinking what would be the right thing to do. What's right and what's wrong? You find you live by that emotion of God inside you. Amen. That's awesome, man. That's freedom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not coming to church thinking, okay, well, how should I preach to get more people? No, no, no. That's not why I'm here. I'm just here to share the truth about the gospel. 
I'm not here to try and get fruit in people. No, no, I'm just sharing the gospel. You will share the gospel with others. Anyway, our place is not very big. So, if it gets too big, we're going to have to have somebody else preach in another place. You know, have people preach there. Or something like that. But we can't chase after this thing because we feel we must do this. Where you get completely set free from the world system of defining who you are. I mean, whenever you, when you drive your car, it's a competition. The guy next to you, especially in South Africa, South Africa cars is a big thing. In America, houses. What house do you live in? You know? What phone do you have? How do you look? Who more say? It's a opgetel of it's a verloor. Hmm, sister Sarah, it's a big thing. It's a big thing. You say that and then feel a little bit better about yourself. Hmm? Or if you get it right all the time, it is. It is um, I can't understand why they eat like that. Do you want to be free from that? Amen. Amen. Through the acknowledgement, when you acknowledge, when you can start to acknowledge who He is, it's who I am, and it's who everybody is, then you find you don't have to try and stop to talk wrong. You find that out of your belief, your emotion and your feeling about that person changes. Now, two weeks ago, I did a wedding and I saw somebody there and, and, and this person f- feels bad about their weight. So, I never see the weight until they talk about it. Yeah. But this is a problem. This is a pro- to me, this person is beautiful. He's friendly. I, I enjoy speaking to this person. You know, I don't see that. There's another value system. Because of that acknowledgement, when you acknowledge, when you've come to the full realization, that's what acknowledge is there, when you've come to the, I acknowledge this, then your heart says this is the only truth and brings forth emotions in line with what you believe. Then you cannot feel negative towards that person. Because of the acknowledgement in the fact about what Jesus has done for every man. That's a problem if we say the gospel's only for the church. You'll never be able to love the world. I'm branded, I don't know, you can maybe get letters or whatever. Uh, I'm branded as an inclusionist. Meaning, I don't believe that you need faith to be saved. You know, and people are scared, you know, of me <laughs> in that, because of that. But I'm sorry, if, if they don't want to hear what I'm saying, Jesus, listen, Jesus took away the sin of the whole world. Those who believe it are saved from the law and its effect. If you don't believe it, you're not saved. Amen. But for so many people, there's one guy at his web made a whole web page about me. He says there, Bertie says he's not an inclusionist, but he is, for he says the sin of everybody is paid for. And if you say that, you mean you are saved. This is his conclusions. But I want to tell you, if we cannot see, if we cannot come to the conclusion that everybody in this complex that live here has sin has been paid for we cannot have the attitude of christ towards them because when jesus walked on the earth he 
carried the sin of the world, knowing people's innocence. And that belief brought emotions in his heart of loving people. And that, draw, that is what was drawing the sinners to Jesus. And the emotion that everybody is innocent irritated the living daylights out of the Pharisees. Because they wanted to see them as guilty. Making the Pharisees the enemy of Jesus. Amen. I've preached for 50 minutes. Can you believe it? Right, let's pray. Father, thank you that we can add to our faith all these wonderful things by acknowledging. Lord, you want us to add virtue to our faith by acknowledging what Christ has done. You want us to add long-suffering to our faith by acknowledging what you've done. And we can say it's, it's like going to a me for a meal where you say you've got the, the burger, now add chips and add cold drink and add everything. It's all included in the price. Thank you, Lord, that we cannot add virtue by our efforts. We cannot add peace in our situation by our efforts. It comes through acknowledgement. And acknowledgement comes through, through you loving us and we seeing your love. Thank you, Lord, that we can, with great eloquence, with great power, with great effectiveness, preach your gospel, see your gospel in the word. Thank you for that, my God, so that we can see who you are manifesting in us. And Lord, everything I've preached about today is just understanding how you work. The end of the day, all he's about is simply this, saying, yes, Lord, you became a human, therefore you made a human holy. You live forever, therefore I will forever be holy. Tomorrow you will have provision, therefore I will have provision tomorrow. I acknowledge that. It makes sense to me. Thank you, Lord. And from that acknowledgement, we find our emotions being formed. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't leave any place for us to mess it up. All we do is we believe in it. And you live your life in us, the perfect life. And we've got the honor, like a lady that's got, uh, bears a child of her husband, to say, this is my child. We've got the honor to say, this is my fruit, knowing it's the fruit of God. Sharing in the victory you have for us. What a wonderful gospel. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I would just like to give some prophetic words for people. Just words of wisdom. And um, if you are here and you feel you've got a word for somebody, uh, you can feel free, you know, to come and share. <clears throat> Father, I want to thank you that you love us. Thank you, my God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I just feel there's somebody here, you, uh, the emotion in your heart is, um, I see an increase of grace in my life, um, you know, and, uh, 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 but I don't see it affecting others. I want that grace to affect others. And, and the, the picture I see is, I see like a, a bottle that's upside down, um, like a wine bottle. But it's upside down, but the bottom is cut off. It's open, so it's almost like a big glass. And water rising from the bottom, going through the neck into the wider area, 
and then rising up, rising up, and eventually flowing over. I feel the Lord says, <clears throat> don't worry about affecting others. Let me fill every area of your life with my love, and it will flow over to others. Your job is not to try and reach others for now, but to be filled in every area of your life with my unconditional love and my influence in your life and rest in that. Don't be tempted to get into a place where you don't belong. Ministry is an outflow of who I am, says the Lord, not what you do for me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You're such a good God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's somebody here. Um, I think it, uh, uh, Annette, just come here, please. Um, just come here. I want to pray for you quickly. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to feel my heart Father, I want to thank you that I can just pray right now for Annette's stomach. I thank you, Lord, for absolute healing. And we just make an end to all sickness and disease. We declare that you have healed her fully in Jesus' name. And this is now all over in Jesus' name. By the power of his resurrection. We come to the conclusion that you took sickness away. You said that there's signs, wonders and miracles by the Holy Spirit. We conclude that we are the object of your goodness and signs, wonders, and miracles. And we lay our hands on the sick and they are healed now. In Jesus' name. I declare this sickness gone forever. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Ben, you don't have a word for us. Don't, feel, don't you feel something you want to share? Not the moment. Okay. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.